Today's episode of the Fantasy Football Podcast on the Ringer NFL Show is brought to you by State Farm. When you need a game plan for protection, State Farm agents are here to help. With personalized service, agents are available to talk in person, over text, or through the State Farm app. So go with the one with coverage and agents you can count on. Find an agent in your neighborhood today. State Farm. Talk to an agent today. Fantasy Football Podcast on the Ringer NFL Show on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Danny Heifetz and I'm joined as always by my co-host and my co-Danny, the hero we need and the analyst we deserve, the Dark Knight himself, Danny Kelly. How are you doing, DK? <laughs> I'm doing exceedingly well, man. How are you doing? Exceedingly well. I'm glad you're exceeding, DK. Got to exceed <laughs> expectations. We're also joined by Craig Horlbeck. What is on your mind, Craig? So many random dudes scored this week. You could have probably slipped my name in there and nobody would have known. <laughs> well, Horlbeck is always, <laughs> that one always stands out from the crowd. But yeah, what the hell? There were, it was like a cast of characters. Like it could have just been a bunch of people who like cameoed in El Camino or something. <laughs> DK, you have the, you want to run through the list of guys who actually scored touchdowns this week? Yeah. So shouts to all the randos. I, I just looked, I sorted by touchdown and I picked out guys who I think. People probably weren't really expecting would score touchdowns this week. Obviously, fantasy football is highly dependent on touchdowns. Uh, let's just go through it. Darius Slayton, two touchdowns for the Giants. Chris Conley of the Jags. Hunter Renfro of the Raiders. Josh Reynolds of the Rams. Keelan Cole of the Jags. Tajay Sharp of the Titans. Marvin Hall of the Lions. Ryan Griffin times two of the Jets. Jonu Smith of the Titans. Demetrius Harris of the Browns. Boston Scott of the Eagles. Brian Hill. Falcons and Debo Samuel of the 49ers. So that is quite a list. And I'm guessing most were not in your starting lineups this week. <laughs> I think that's safe to say. Did any of you not know one of these names? Because I have to admit, Marvin Hall. I didn't know who Marvin Hall was. A that Marvin was catching a yeah. touchdown for the Lions and it not being Marvin Jones Jr. is a plot twist. I'll admit that. Absolutely. <laughs> I didn't know. I think if you had asked me before the show what team Marvin Hall plays for, I probably would have said I don't know. I, I knew that he, I knew that he was in the NFL, but I couldn't remember where he played. Do we think any of these guys were started? I mean, other than maybe Chris Conley, were any of these guys started in like more than like three percent of fantasy leagues? Uh, I have the answer to that. In fact, do you guys want to? Do you guys want to do a real quick quiz? We'll go right through these. I'm going to give you. Yeah, all right, let's give yeah, you the name. <laughs> you guys tell me. You guys tell me how much you think. How many? What, the percentage of leagues oh these guys ha- were started in. Uh, we'll Roster start with- started. 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 Yeah. Okay. This week. So let's just start at the bottom. Debo Samuel. Where would you say? Three. Twelve. Way way too high. 0.6%. Zero for Debo. I feel like he's going to be the highest on the list. I'm going to put Brian Hill and Boston Scott together, and that might give it away a little bit, but what Point do you think? That, zero, zero. Zero. Yeah, 0.0. 0. Uh, Demetrius Harris, what do you say? 0.2. 0. 0.1. Damn it! Were any of these guys <laughs> over one? Okay, yeah, well, let's just speed this up. Uh, Marvin Hall, Tajay Sharp, Keelan Cole, Josh Reynolds, all 0. 0.0. 
Hunter Renfro, 0.3. Let's get into the big numbers here. Chris Conley, 1.7% starter. 1.7. And Darius Slayton takes the cake, 3.5%, which is actually, it's actually kind of surprising because he has flashed a little bit this year, and I actually think his, his, his arrow is pointing up in terms of fantasy football. He has a good connection with Daniel Jones. That said, yeah, 3.5%. He almost had third touchdown too. So, and that's just started. If you look at the ownership numbers for all these guys, eight of these guys are zero percent owned. <laughs> yeah, and the most owned guy on this whole list is Jonu Smith at nineteen percent. Okay, but all right. So fantasy football is dumb, and we're all wasting our time. But are any of these guys <laughs> like not flukes? Like, do you see any of these guys? Like, I mean, we have like a dozen people on this list. Yeah, nine or ten of them are just we're not going to think about again for quite some time. Right. Do you see? Do you think one or two or three of them? Do you think are maybe it is a harbinger of something to come, and that there's going to be something uh, we can take away from this other than just pure randomness? Yes, I do, and I'll start out with Chris Conley of the Jags, um, particularly with, and and we'll get into this. But Didi Westbrook had he, he reactivated his shoulder slash head injury and missed. I think most of the second half, that gave Conley a bigger opportunity to kind of go in there and, and get some targets. He caught seven passes, 103 yards, and a touchdown. Um, that's coming off of a three-catch 83-yard line last week with a two-point conversion. So he's actually trending up. He could be a bigger part of that offense going forward. He, I mean, he's an uber-athlete, super, super fast, very agile, explosive player. Um, obviously, he didn't do a whole lot when he was with Kansas City, but... I think he's he's a solid role player, and he he could be a bigger part of that offense going forward. So if D.D. Westbrook misses time, how do you feel about Chris Conley? Like, would you throw him in your lineup? Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously it just depends. It depends on what you have on your roster and what your other options are, but I think he is a flex play going forward until Westbrook gets back. And I would say the same, actually, about Josh Reynolds of the Rams. With Brandon Cook suffering another head injury, suffered a concussion in this game, that's his second in several weeks he's had several of them over you know throughout his career that's definitely very concerning going forward we don't know exactly what that means in terms of how much time he'll miss but if Brandon Cooks misses time Reynolds steps right in and we saw this last year when Cooper Cup went down he was a big part of that passing offense he he will become a fantasy factor I think even though the Rams maybe aren't running as many you know as much 11 personnel as they used to and their offense is quite uh, obviously not quite as um, efficient or whatever, and high scoring as was last season. But I think he can potentially be a fantasy factor as well. If you're looking, if you're desperate for receivers, those are two guys I think you could pick up. So Josh Reynolds and Chris Conley. Yep, those are probably the two top ads of the week, right? The one person I also want to throw into the ring here is Darius Slayton, who I think is actually in a similar position to Josh Reynolds because he stepped in. Uh, Sterling Shepard, I mean, like Brandon Cooks, actually has two concussions this season, and a concussion is a brain injury, and you. Do not want three brain injuries in the same season. So right. I don't think Sterling Shepard or Brandon Cooks should be expected to return anytime soon. Darius Slayton has actually played pretty well in Sterling Shepard's absence. He was practicing with Daniel Jones this offseason. So they mm-hmm. actually have like a weird rapport from their time on the second team together. Now yeah. they're on the first team. And weirdly, Darius Slayton has exactly as many receiving yards as Sterling Shepard. I think they're both 267. Uh, he, Slayton had 50 yards and two touchdowns this week. Almost at a third, actually. Uh Slayton's not a bad dart throw. I wouldn't exactly be confident throwing him in my lineup right now, but the Giants do have some decent teams on their schedule later down the road. I think they have a tasty matchup with the Dolphins and like the fantasy playoffs. Like it's, I wouldn't recommend Slayton on a consistency basis, but you could do a lot worse if you just need someone high upside. Yeah, I think so. I agree with you. I think, I mean, 
If you look at that game the, yesterday against the Lions, he was looking to Slayton in crucial situations. I can't remember the precise one that I remember the song, but I think it was like a third and long. He looked to Slayton in that in that situation, and, and um, so obviously there's the connection there. Slayton's a good player. I mean, he's very fast. He's got good size. Both of his touchdowns were sort of contested catch situations where he went up high and got the ball. So I think his, his he's trending up, and so he's another guy that definitely I think is a good waiver wire ad this week. Craig, is there anyone from this list of randos uh, before we move off all the randos? Is there any randos that you really think maybe worth adding, possibly? Um, the only other person I guess I could see down the stretch is Hunter Renfro. I have always kind of liked Hunter Renfro, Hard <laughs> Knocks star. You don't like him as much as John Gruden likes him. No one likes him as much as John Gruden likes him. <laughs> or Nathan Peterman, for that matter. But Renfro's been consistent all year. I mean, he's averaging around five targets every single game, which I think is a lot higher than the rest of the people on this list. And, you know, as a rookie, I think you can only expect him to get better as the year goes on. So I do think he's only 1% owned. So if you have a deep roster and you need receivers, I think it's worth adding him. That Hunter Renfro man, he just wants it. You can't teach that man. <laughs> I just he's just a real grinder. <laughs> Yeah, that's All right, enough of the randos. Let's move on. A couple. So we mentioned Cooks and we mentioned Didi Westbrook and Tustin Sterling Shepard. There's a couple other injuries that are worth noting for this week with next man up. Um, Matt Breda left the 49ers game with an ankle injury that was just a romp over the Panthers. And then Jeff Wilson Jr. got knocked out of the matchup too. Uh, it was a stinger uh, or a reported head injury. Um, I think he said after the game that it was a stinger. But sting- I yeah, oh something to monitor. Exactly. Uh, especially because they're playing on Thursday night against the Cardinals, and Thursdays are always a tough turnaround, even for the quote-unquote healthy players, even though remember that no one's actually healthy playing football. Uh, Matt Breida wanted to go back in the game, per Kyle Shanahan said that afterwards. So on one hand, his injury maybe is not so serious. On the other hand, Matt Breida is like salty spittoon level tough. (laughs) Like, you know how I think pro football doc, Dr. David Chow, Mm -hmm. uh, says he has like a 95, 97% rate of being correct about predicting players play and injuries. The one person who's wrong about was Matt Burita last year because Matt Burita played through a high ankle sprain pain tolerance because his pain tolerance is absolutely insane. Oh, interesting. Uh, Matt Burita, tough guy. So, but it's still a Thursday turnaround. So yeah, Burita rushed 11 times for 35 yards. Tevin Coleman had 11 times for 105 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, and then there's Raheem Moster who had nine t- uh, touches for 60 yards and a score. And then Jeff Wilson had two carries for six yards. And then Debo Samuel, the point two started <laughs> Debo Samuel, yeah. two carries for 29 yards and a score. So the 49ers <laughs> are the annoying guy you play in Madden who just like runs 50 times a game and beats you like 14 <laughs> to 10 and it's no fun. But they turn the wind up because they know that they like to run. So exactly. they put the wind at like 40 miles an hour because they're cheaters. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. Enough about some kid I went to high school with. Anyway. With you- with this, the action item the action action item is to go grab Mostert. How do you say his name? Is it Mostert or Mostert? I've heard people kind of. I don't think it's like of- the condiment. I think it's Mostert. <laughs> okay. Anyways, go with. grab Raheem this week in case um, either Breda or Wilson misses time. Obviously, there's just a lot. Um, of volume to go around in the, in the 49ers offense, especially their run offense, just going up against a bad Arizona team this week could go off. I mean, they just been blowing people out of the water this, this season. There's, I think there's just a lot of fantasy volume to be had in that backfield. So having Mostert on waivers this week, I think is just sort of a speculative ad to see how it all goes. 
The mind-blowing thing is the Niners have done this without the two starting tackles because Joe Staley and Mike McClinchy have been out. Yeah. But even more amazing is that they're not the most confusing backfield situation in this game <laughs> because they're playing the Cardinals. Yep. Uh, Chase Edmonds got hurt. And then the Cardinals traded for Kenyon Drake on Monday. This is super interesting. Yeah, so Edmonds had a hamstring injury. Tom Pelicero, uh, Tom Pelicero of NFL Network reports that Edmonds is going to be, he's going to miss a few weeks. Uh, David Johnson was inactive. The Cardinals on Sunday had to turn to Zach Zenner, who they had just signed. Zach Zenner was on the Saints for most of the season. Yeah. And then was cut. And then the Cardinals played him against the Saints. Zenner Don't was, the, he, he was the only other active running back in that game. So, I mean, luckily the injury happened late in the game. I mean, it was a blowout anyway, but yeah. So going forward, David Johnson seems iffy. I think going forward, Edmonds is going to be out. I think Drake, if you, if you held on to Drake in hopes that he was going to be traded, this is a pretty good situation because the Cardinals are, at least in the short term, the Cardinals are a very efficient run team. I think they came into this week third in DVOA on the ground, which makes a lot of sense when, when you consider they play almost all three and four receiver sets. They spread things out. They get, you know, advantageous box numbers for their running game. And, you know, it's just... Getting a guy like Drake, who's very explosive, into that offense is definitely really interesting, particularly in the short term while Edmonds is out and Johnson is out. So if you have Ed, if you have Drake, congratulations. I don't think there's really another... I, w- I probably wouldn't be adding Zenner going into the San Francisco game, personally. Um, you know, both Zenner and Drake are going to be learning a new offense. So I don't know if either necessarily has a leg up. I think Drake is the better player, though. Yeah, October's very own. Um, in Miami, Mark Walton's the starter. That doesn't do anything for me. He'll get more carries, but I don't think you want the <laughs> Dolphins running backs, man. I wouldn't right. rely on Mark Walton. Like, if you could go add Mark Walton, you can have him in a pinch. But I don't think you want Miami players playing for you. I don't think the that's certainly one wants to go. Yeah, down. certainly not ideal situation. If you're really desperate on like bye weeks or whatever, he could be a guy. But, but yeah, I agree. Uh, last one, Miles Sanders on the Eagles. He left Sunday's game with a shoulder injury and didn't return. Uh, he seems confident he'll be able to play this week. Uh, he had three rushes for 74 yards and he, a long touchdown. He also had three catches for 44 yards. Zach Berman of The Athletic reports he likely won't miss time. On the off chance he does, it, that would be a boost for Jordan Howard. But Sanders, DK, do you think Sanders is... Are you, are you worried about this injury? One, but do you also see him making enough explosive plays to be a bigger part of the Eagles' backfield going forward? Yeah, I think based on what we've read today, he it's it's looking good. He's not going to miss much time, if any. Um, I should say he won't miss reps this week. He's going to play. Um, and so that's very good for that backfield. I think he's been, you know, a explosive player, an explosive player for them, um, a guy that can give them some speed when, when their offense has been needing it. Um, He's still very much just the passing game guy for the for the Eagles. I mean, he, the if you look at the split, um, Jordan Howard is dominating ground touches while Sanders is being used more as like a, a an air attack guy. He did score a sixty five yard touchdown on Sunday on a play where he and Howard were both on the field. So that's something to monitor going forward. Maybe that's like something that they're going to start using a little bit more often. We'll see. Um, but I think Sanders is. To me, he's going to be a high-variance guy. He's going to continue to be a high-variance guy. You, you know, you could plug him into your lineup, and he might score three points because he's just not getting many touches on the ground. But he can also get you like 10 or 15 points because he's been used in the passing game, and he's been getting explosive plays. So 
It's a little bit of a, a risky start, I think, but he's trending up. He's showing why they liked him when they drafted him because he can create those explosive plays. And yeah, so I think, you know, both he and Howard are a little bit risky dice, dice type throw guys at flex, but there's certainly worse options because I think the Eagles in general seem to be trending up now. They had a really good game last week, or I should say on Sunday against the Bills, a good defense. And so they might be kind of figuring things out on offense. Yeah, there are worse options than Miles Sanders, like the Dolphins. Right, exactly. All right, we're going to jump into some categories. But before that, let's take a quick break. This week's Thursday night matchup should be very entertaining. Maybe I'll have you guys over to watch this game. Hey, Google, add chips and salsa to my shopping list. All right, I added chips and salsa. The Google Assistant is ready to help you get more done with just your voice. In the car, at home, and everywhere you take your phone. A little help, hands-free. Just say, hey Google, to get started. And while we're here, let's talk about Pepsi. Pepsi takes all NFL celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown, a defensive stop on the goal line, or a Super Bowl win, when it is time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. As a young Giants fan growing up in New York, I regularly grab for Pepsi to celebrate every Giants win. Giants don't win as much anymore, but I still celebrate with a Pepsi every time Daniel Jones does not throw an interception. Of course, Daniel Jones did throw a ball backward this week. That aligns defender and former Giant player scooped in return for a touchdown. The play made me sad, but I cracked open a Pepsi to celebrate that Saquon Barkley didn't get hurt trying to make the tackle. And when the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl, Pepsi was there. Which year? Both of them. And on Sunday, when Darius Slayton caught a touchdown from Daniel Jones against the Lions, I caught a Pepsi to celebrate. Which Darius Slayton touchdown? Both of them. I cracked a Pepsi for every defender Saquon Barkley threw to the ground on Sunday, which means I drank five Pepsis on one four-yard run. In two weeks when the Giants play the Jets, I will crack open a Pepsi and celebrate that Daniel Jones has, to my knowledge, never had mana. And the week after that, when the Giants are on by, I will crack open a Pepsi to celebrate that I can watch an entire weekend of football without worrying about whether Daniel Jones will personally embarrass me. And I'll be celebrating with Pepsi. Pepsi, the official sponsor of the NFL, reminds you to always be celebrating. All righty, let's get into some categories. First up, the guy you're not supposed to worry about, DK. Who's someone coming for someone else's job? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say that David Montgomery like really fits this, but after getting two carries for a grand total of six yards last week, uh, David Montgomery went off this week, much to the chagrin of the 65% of people that did not start him <laughs> in their leagues this week. Um, but I like, I like Montgomery going forward. I think this potentially could be kind of like a springboard game to get him going. Um, and mostly not necessarily just because I like him as a player, but because it seems like the Bears are very much dedicated to a new philosophy, a ground and pound philosophy. They had not been running the ball well. They had not been running the ball a lot and relying basically t- way too much on Mitch Trubisky's arm in their offense, which just is not a good strategy just based on the way he's been playing. So yeah, going forward, really like what Mc- Montgomery can do. 
So Nagy, after calling just seven running plays in last week's home loss to New Orleans, he told the team that that game plan was horseshit and that it's going to change. We saw that happen this week. Well, he also told reporters, I know we need to run the ball more. I'm not an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Which which is hilarious in one sense because running is so much less efficient typically than passing yet. I actually think he's kind of right in this situation just based on the effectiveness of Mitch Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky as a passer, I think giving their offense more balance and a little bit more oomph on the ground. Montgomery, I think, is one of their better offensive players. And so in this case, most of the time I definitely would kind of dunk on him for that comment, but I actually kind of like it. Um, and that's not just because I have Montgomery on a couple of my teams. So the Bears posted 38 rushing attempts for 162 yards. Both of those were season highs in this game. Um they got over 100 yards for the first time since, I think, week two. Montgomery carried it 27 times, 135 yards, and a touchdown, and 27 or 24.7 PBR points. And so going forward, the Bears have a tough matchup with Philly, which is not a good matchup for running backs. They've been really limiting running backs really well on the ground this year. But going forward, they, ha- they have a bunch of matchups with ba- bad run defense teams. And so I think Montgomery could be a guy that you can rely on a little bit down the stretch as like a flex option, a more reliable flex option than he has been in the beginning of the year. So I'm sort of bullish going forward on Montgomery. I think the the Bears are going to really kind of lean into their run game, and that could be very advantageous for him. Yeah, also, I, I mean, this week, Matt Nagy said that he would be sticking with Mitchell Trubisky on Monday, which... Even the way, even just reading that, you're like, all right, well, this isn't going to last too long. And it does make <laughs> sense for them to be leaning away from relying on Trubisky to run uh, Nagy's offense when he just really struggles with really basic things. I mean, he there was an excellent breakdown in a Twitter thread the other day from Seth Galina, who just showed that, you know, even the really basic RPOs where Mitchell Trubisky like has to read a defensive end. And if the defensive end crashes to the running back, as they did on this play, then he looks out to a receiver. The guy's wide open, doesn't see him, looks at Just another receiver, slow. also wide open, and then standing, looking at two wide receivers who are wide open, is unable to decide between either, and then just takes a sack. <laughs> yeah. And that was against the Saints. And it's he just can't do things. There was a joke that he, his <laughs> completion percentage to his left was so much worse than his right that the Roger Sherman of The Ringer wrote a whole article about is Mitchell yeah. Trubisky Derek Zoolander. <laughs> and now it's at the point where he's just so bad all over the field that he might just, he can't turn left or right. So yeah, real tough I, for Mitch Trubisky, but that's probably good for Montgomery. Yeah. I think it, it's clear he's plateaued in his development, if not regressed. And at this point, the bears just absolutely have to, you know, make him, they have to hide him in their offense. They've been, they've not been hiding in, in him in their offense. They've been leaning on him way too much. So yeah, I think, I think going forward, this gives Montgomery a very good opportunity. You know what I always say, DK? Whenever you have to hide your quarterback in football, that's always a good thing. <laughs> Is Trubisky the worst draft pick since Jamarcus Russell? Well, Blake didn't Blake. Well, well, you know what? You could win the tiebreaker over Blake Bortles because, like, he, they traded up to get him. He also played in an NFC or a, a NFC Championship game, a divisional. Literally, despite because he was dragged there by no Bortles. Bortles is worse. I don't care what anyone says. They traded up over Mahomes and Deshaun Watson to get Bortles. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, to get Mahomes, no one knew about Mahomes except Andy Reid, who was coach Brett Favre and was like, this kid's Brett Favre. No one else knew. In retrospect, it seems so obvious. 
No one knew Mahomes would be able to. No one was sure he'd be able to do this. So you think yeah. Bortles is worse? Even at the time was wild. And also Trubisky, you know, maybe we should. You, you want a guy who doesn't have to sit on the bench for the first three years of college. It's a general rule. So you think Trubisky is <laughs> a worse or a better pick than Bortles? <laughs> I guess technically, but I, I wouldn't say just because he's better, it's a good pick. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, it, there is in the moment trading up for Trubisky was crazy. In the moment, that was nuts. So it. That's a thing that hasn't aged well. Yeah. Uh, Craig, do you have a guy you're not supposed to worry about this week? Well, yeah, it's Trey Carson because you were not supposed to worry about him. You're supposed to, <laughs> you were supposed to spend all of your free agent auction money on Ty Johnson, which my friend Brian did. He spent $65 on him in our league. Well, this is after Carrion Johnson for the Lions. Correct. Got hurt, got put on injured reserve, and we're like, all right, well, who's going to get the carries for this new Lions running game? Yes, and Ty Johnson had seven rushes for 25 yards, and Trey Carson, who came from Green Bay, who the Lions picked up off waivers 11 days ago, um, <laughs> out-touched him and ran. Brutal. I know. Uh, he, he played less snaps than Ty Johnson, but out-rushed him 12 rushes to seven rushes. Um, I kind of just don't think you start either guy now. I suppose you oh, should yeah. add Trey Carson. He is literally 0% owned, but... Once again, this is one of those scenarios where the starter goes down and everybody in a fantasy football league thinks that the new guy up will, you know, replace 80% of him. And then it just doesn't work at all. It becomes a, <laughs> a split backfield and no one wins. Yeah. I like this situation because it reminds me that football teams, are just like fantasy football teams, where it's like, shit, our running back got hurt. What do we do now? I don't know. Who's on waivers? Uh, <laughs> they just cut this guy, uh, Trey Carson. You heard of him? No. Whatever. Let's just play him. And it's like, you know what? Really different, but. Is it that different? Maybe not. More similar than I think anyone would like to admit. Uh, all right. <laughs> it is now week nine, which is amazing. Uh, the season's is, halfway over. Yeah, which, that is crazy. Wow. So bye weeks, are re we're really in like the heart of the bye weeks. So let's look at some streaming options for this week. DK, do you have any streaming options you like for week nine? Yeah, tight end. I think Dallas Goddard has worked his way officially into the tight end streamer conversation. He is owned currently on ESPN 24.5% of, of teams right now, of, or sorry, of leagues right now. He has posted nine plus PPR points in four out of his last five games. In fact, he, he had three catches, 22 yards, and a touchdown last week, which was 11.2 PPR points. He's now outscored Zach Hurts, 37.9 to 19.2 in PPR. That was uh, over the last three weeks. And he has a near equal target share in that time, 17 targets to 16 in favor of, of Ertz. So he's really nipping at Ertz's heels in terms of his usage in the passing game. I don't think either of them are, um, obviously neither of them have sort of the upside of what Ertz used to have. They're both cutting into, I guess, the bottom line for each other, cannibalizing each other a little bit. But um, Goddard is the younger player. He He's on the uprise. I think Ertz is kind of, fading a little bit in that offense and he's just got a lot of upside in the in the um in the red zone up the seam he's very athletic big guy so i think goddard has he's, he's the guy to keep in mind add him to your team if you need a tight end streamer this week i don't like the phrase nipping at his heels because it, it i always think of like a little like yippy dog you know the ones that like just yell at you and dallas goddard's like six five 256 pounds <laughs> massive so it doesn't exactly hands. work yeah. but I, but i'm picking up what you're putting down <laughs> um, <laughs> my stream for this week is I feel crazy saying this the Jets defense because oh, no. I've already plugged the Dolphins defense so I must wait is this Galaxy Brain this isn't the Galaxy no, this, Brain no I don't think this is Galaxy Brain even though they did just <laughs> trade one of their best defensive linemen away because they're because they're 
think about next year. But it's really simple. They're playing the Dolphins this week, and then they get the Giants the following week, and they traded Leonard Williams. Yes, I know. But here's the thing. This week, they're playing the Dolphins, who have the fewest points in the NFL. And then next week, the Giants have the most turnovers. They lead the whole league in turnovers with 19. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's more than the turnovers the Giants had last year. Uh, that's a good thing for a defense. And, I mean, the Jets' defense has not been well this year, and C.J. Mosley actually is still out for, I think, like another month. But it's still a pretty talented unit, and you have Greg Williams, who's a blitz-happy defensive coordinator. The Dolphins nor the Giants are well-prepared for blitzes. I mean, there's a report the Giants might even be willing to, like, trade left tackle Nate Solder. So you could do it. I mean, it's certainly a little counterintuitive, but it's also not because it's just banking on bad teams with, I mean, in Ryan Fitzpatrick's case, a pick-six prone quarterback, and Daniel Jones's case, an inexperienced quarterback. That's <laughs> always a good thing to target. So... I like it. I, I like, like the it. Jets as a streamer, especially since the Pats are on the Pats defense, who I know Craig and I are relying on in uh, fantasy. They're on by in week 10. So if you need to fill in <laughs> the Jets, weirdly, might be not so big, oh big, be God. so bad. Craig, you got a streamer for this week? Danny Amendola is like a bug bite that just won't go away. And it's annoying, but you should at <laughs> this point pick him up. He's still somehow only 10% owned. He only has eight less targets than Marvin Jones, who I also hate. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, he's got more. We hate t- a lot of people on the Lions, except I love. I hate everybody but Kenny Galladay. I love Kenny Galladay. Uh, Amendola's yeah. got more targets than Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones in the last two weeks. He's got nineteen, and they're playing the Raiders next week, who get shredded through the air. So Amendola is like a solid, I think, wide receiver three flex start next week. I think Amendola is just going to like sort of take over the role as the de facto run game. They're just going to pass it short to him and let. Yeah, him he's do like theoretic. Yeah, I will have you know that my mother. I was watching this Giants-Lions game with remarked to me. She said, I can't believe the Patriots let Danny Amendola go. What a good football player. Nice. <laughs> Grandmas love Danny Amendola. I was like, you're right. My, well, also, I mean, he's a Danny. Obviously invited on the Danny Football Podcast whenever. And if he ever does come on, because obviously only Danny's can come on, I'll let you know that you called him a bug bite. Only Danny's <laughs> and Bill Simmons can come on. <laughs> well, yeah. That's the, that's the rule. Uh, the exception that proves the rule. Uh, now let's get into the stream of the week, the competition. So we're each going to pick one flex player. So running back receiver, tight end each week owned in less than 40% of leagues on ESPN or Yahoo. And whoever's guy has the most points that weekend is the winner. And the person with the most wins gets something. I think we're shaved or growing mustaches. I don't remember what Min- we agreed Minshew. on. Yeah. Minshew the mustache. Minshew. Yeah. The Minshew mustache. Um, DK, I think you won this week. You had oh, AJ Brown. Yeah. I, had Geronimo Allison, who had like a like a like a Marvin Hall level start percentage, <laughs> he had like one point seven fantasy points. Not great for Geronimo Allison. Craig and Kenny Stills once again in second place. Which Silver. I would argue second. This I would is, argue second is worse than third. Because I would not argue trying. that. This is ridiculous. No. I have I think three everyone seconds. Second is worse than third. I have three seconds, and I'm gonna have the mustache. How's that fair? It's more than two, so it's fine. Also, it doesn't matter. We're only counting wins. We have no. There's no points for second place. Here. Wait, so are wins. we doing the like the winner doesn't have to grow the mustache and the this other is gold two, medals? And so wait, the winner does not, and the other two have to. I think that no, works. it's last play. Oh, oh, we're, oh, two people are going to be doing this. <laughs> I don't know because he gets it first. I, don't know I thought it was last place. Uh, All right, we we'll, should, we'll, we'll figure, figure this out. Yeah. But anyway, okay. DK, who's your person for this week? Under forty percent owned that you think can go. Well, off? first of all, I'd like to say I have two wins. Danny, you have one? Yes, I do. And then Craig, three seconds. Okay. Uh, I'm going with Miko <laughs> Hardman. <laughs> I'm going with Miko Hardman, the Chiefs this week. 33% owned Yahoo. 
He posted two catches for 51 yards and a touchdown for the, with the, uh, against the Packers. Double-digit points in five of his last seven games. Speed for, ga- speed for days. He is a low-volume, big-play threat. Remember that when you plug him into your lineup. He's not going to get a ton of targets, but what he's been able to do with his targets is very impressive. He's just one of the fastest guys on the field, and that's saying a lot when you're on the Chiefs. They just have incredible, incredible speed in their offense. Mahomes will, or I should say, he has a chance to be back this week. I don't know exactly what his status is, but what, But as we saw last week, or I should say last night, uh, Andy Reid can still scheme up you know, a good game plan, even with Matt Moore under center, so... I like I like Hardman this week. I like how you said, remember that when you plug him into your lineups, that he's a low-volume guy, so that when he Demarcus Robinson gets like three touchdowns and Hardman <laughs> gets one catch for eight yards, that you're like, ah, it's all right. But it's all yeah. right. Yeah. It's hard um, to trust any of these guys necessarily in this offense because it kind of just changes week to week. But like I said, double-digit points in five out of his last seven weeks. So that's that's not shabby. A rigging endorsement. Going up <laughs> against the Vikings, who have actually given up some big plays to opposing receivers, so... Um, yeah, we'll see. Craig, who's, who are you rolling with this week? Uh, hopefully he's going to bring me home the gold. I'm going with tight end Darren Fells of the Texans. He is 19% owned. Uh, they're playing the Jags next week. who just allowed 66 yards and two touchdowns to one of our randos, Ryan Griffin. <laughs> uh, Darren Fells is just kind of like the new Kyle Rudolph this year. I feel like where he just has 40 yards and no touchdown or 40 yards and a touchdown, and that's just what he does. <laughs> and uh, But he's playing a lot. He played 90% of the snaps last week. He leads the Texans in red zone targets. He's 10th amongst all tight ends in red zone targets with eight, and the leader only has 12. And he's the tight end eight right now. I don't know why he's 19% owned. Also, the tight end 11 is Hunter Henry. He's played four games. <laughs> I think the real headline is that Darren Fells has five receiving touchdowns and DeAndre Hopkins has three receiving touchdowns. I think that's... Uh, God. Yeah, that's uh, you know what? I'll be honest. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> we were doing all that preview stuff in August. That I wasn't really. Show me like, the you know analyst who saw touchdowns. that coming. Danny, didn't you say like their one of their main coaches was a former oh, tight ends coach? So yeah, no. Well, explain that serious, again. There was it was kind of easy to see that the Texans were going to go to more tight ends this season. I will not pretend to be like, yeah, Darren Fells, more touchdowns than DeAndre Hopkins. But they're promoted their tight ends coach, their offensive coordinator. And a good rule of thumb is that, you know, wherever you come up from in life, it's kind of how you see the world. And it's like, you know, your <laughs> tight ends coach, like, oh, let's get the tight ends more involved. And I mean, Darren, Deshaun Watson never really passed the tight ends. And voila, now Deshaun Watson throws to tight ends. Because in addition to Darren Fells, I mean, they've also been looking to tight ends like elsewhere. I mean, actually before, I think the week before, uh, Darren Fells had a two touchdown game. Jordan Aikens had a two touchdown game, and he's yep. our other tight end. So, a lot of lot more tight end happy offense in Houston. I think that especially is, in the red zone, yeah, especially in the red zone. And that is why DeAndre's had a little bit of a lesser season this year. But exactly, it doesn't matter because Darren Fells and Nicole Hardman will be washed away in a giant cresting <laughs> wave of mediocrity, while Raheem Mostert. The running back for the San Francisco 49ers owned in just 6% of Yahoo leagues will crush both the Arizona Cardinals depleted fourth quarter defense and both of you because the (laughs) Niners are playing on Thursday. Tevin Coleman will get most of the work, but someone needs the other 40% of their 700 runs they're going to have on Thursday. Brita is a tough guy, but I'm banking that I don't think he's going to play just because it's a short week. They're going to keep his touches low. Uh, and also, they're going to beat the Cardinals, I think, fairly easily. 
and Mustaire is ahead of Jeff Wilson in the pecking order and also seems like he's healthier. He they estimated he would be a limited participant. They have to estimate. They didn't practice on Monday, but they have to estimate because injury reporting and the whole thing. But anyway, if he's a limited participant, that's good because I think he's going to play. He's going to get 10 to 12 carries if Breed is out. And that's probably enough to beat both of you. And that works for me. <laughs> I actually like this pick a lot. Yeah, you're jealous of it. All yeah, right. After all bit. that, DK, do you have thoughts on how you would rank the pickups of this week? So we've got, I mean, we've got Mostaire. We've got Josh Reynolds. Uh, we've got Chris Conley on the Jaguars. Everyone, we just, Darren Fells, who somehow only owned a 90% of leagues. Is there someone you'd be looking at uh, in particular if you have like your first waiver order or the person yeah. you spend your most money on? Um, I think I would probably rank Reynolds and Conley slightly above Slayton. And then depending on what you need to do at tight end, I think, you know, Fells is a good one. Um, tight end is just a wasteland this year. So it really just depends on your roster. But that's those are the three guys I think that have the most, I guess, legit chance to be a bigger part of their offenses going forward. So th- those are like the top three for me. Beautiful. All right. You guys know what time it is. It is time for fantasy court. <laughs> do you have a fantasy football dispute that needs litigation? Is there a question that only outside counsel can solve? Take it to fantasy court with the Danesies on the Ringer NFL show Facebook page. We are now calling the case of, I, I don't know, this is collusion. <laughs> I don't know what is going on here. Craig, bailiff, bailiff Craig, introduce the plaintiffs. Guy Savory. His case, do you think it is fair (laughs) to have real money as part of a fantasy football trade? Example, Michael Thomas for Larry Fitzgerald and real (laughs) money. (laughs) Dude, what? No. I'm going to be honest. I think- No, you're not. Okay. (laughs) I think that there is a world- I think there's there should be you know there's the like XFL there should be the X fantasy football league just like exactly there should be yeah. an extreme fantasy football <laughs> league where anything is in play it's like when you're playing poker and you're out of money you throw your watch onto the table exactly that's what I was gonna say it has to be things what I like are you it, guys I like the, talking about I like the idea of having a league where you can trade like physical items I agree <laughs> it's called Craigslist <laughs> are you joking all right this is. The literal definition of collusion. Danny, before you go off on your tirade here, I just want to tell a story because I'm just going to say this. I think most leagues, it's (laughs) not an option. And you should absolutely have to agree to it before joining a league because otherwise you just have the richest guy be really good, right? Um, Yeah, fantasy football is great because it's an escape from society where that already (laughs) happens all the time. But in a league that allows like wacky trades. I think it's actually pretty freaking hilarious. I was actually talking to my buddy about this. He, a couple of years ago, this was probably like, I don't know, maybe it's like seven or eight, ten years ago or something like that. He was playing in a fantasy league. His buddy had Michael Turner. He really wanted Michael Turner. Remember the days of Michael Turner being just a fantasy juggernaut? Damn rip. He, he offered a broken down Volvo for <laughs> Michael Thomas and the trade got accepted. <laughs> And then the rest of the league vetoed it, and he was really pissed about it. And they still talk about it to this day. Yeah, like, you should go to jail for that. <laughs> I love it. All right, he almost gave, he almost got he almost gave up a car to get Michael Thomas. I just or uh, to get Michael Turner. I think that would have been freaking hilarious. I don't think 
anything has changed how I feel about both of you more than this conversation. Oh, brother. <laughs> this is this is absolute. All right, look, here's the thing. Michael Thomas for Larry Fitzgerald and money. And if you just someone traded Michael Thomas for Larry Fitzgerald and then like there was this big argument in your group me or group text or email chain or whatever. And that happened. And then like a week later, you find out, Oh, yeah. You know, he also gave him, like 300 bucks. You'd be like, what the hell is going on here? But then if you just come out and say it, and you, is that just the general theme of 2019? If you just admit your crimes like out loud and act like it's not a big deal that you can commit collusion? Okay, so I think what we've landed on is that if you start your league, you need to get it out there before you begin that, hey, anything's yeah. on the table, you can do whatever you want. But if it's no, a whole transparency. That's insane. But if Who it's a traditional standard league, then no, you cannot use cash to influence it's not a trade. traditional. Traditional fantasy is like, hmm, should our receptions worth points or not? No, this is just like, can you buy players? I would love to play in a league where someone trades like one of their starters for a washing machine because they really need like a washing machine. I you want to do that? You want to <laughs> live in a world hilarious. where someone's like, ah, eh, well, it's week eight and I'm four and four. So like, I need a move. <laughs> so like, you know what? I just sent away Tevin Coleman after his 38 point game because you know what? I had a lot of furniture and I needed someone to come help me. Is that the <laughs> world you want to live in? What are Look, you talking about? 90, 99% of my leagues are not going to be like that. And I think, like Craig said, you have to announce it before the league has started. You can't just bring that up in the middle of the league or Extreme whatever. fantasy football. Yeah, but I think it's freaking <laughs> hilarious. I think it'd be really fun actually okay well but that that being said in the case of guy savory versus the people i would rule in favor of savory saying it's it's outlawed unless your entire league unanimously votes for it yeah it must be predetermined the guy your friend should go to jail that's my official verdict um (laughs) freaking car for michael turner all right, I'm going to stop the bleeding right there. Uh, thank you, DK. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Guy, for that question. Please get some justice. Thank you to everyone for listening. We will see you next week. And the only thing that I would trade a player for is Pepsi. Because Pepsi takes all NFL celebrations to the next level. Whether it's a Hail Mary touchdown, a defensive stop on the goal line, or a Super Bowl win, or a fantasy football championship when it's time to celebrate, it's time to crack open a Pepsi. Craig and I have retaken first place in the Ringer Fantasy Football League, and we are on our way to a championship season that we will accomplish without tr- buying players via trade or barter, which is collusion and insane. Pepsi, the official sponsor of the NFL, reminds you to always be celebrating. We'll see you guys next week.